Welcome to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages every week. These powerful messages are sure to inspire you and keep you on track. Whether it's our late founder, Pastor Wayman Mitchell, or any of your favorite fellowship leaders worldwide, including Pastors Joe Campbell, Paul Stevens, Mark Olson, Tom Payne, Harold Warner, Richard Ruby, and many more, get ready to hear from God through this message. Please stay tuned at the end of this message to hear a discussion about our new premium subscription and an update on all that we're doing here at VBPH. Thanks, guys. If you have your Bibles, I'd like to turn to the book of 2 Timothy chapter 3. And I just want to say what a privilege it is to minister in this venue. I've been coming to these or something like this for close to 27 years when I first got saved in the valley and uh, never thought I'd be preaching at one. (laughs) Praise the Lord. If you have your Bibles, 2 Timothy chapter 3, I want to minister out of this portion of Scripture, and I uh, came across this, I've read it as you have many times, and I, uh, but I never, I always thought as I read it, I always thought, you know, this is just a group of people uh, that is being described in this portion of Scripture in end times prophecy, but it's not really, it's actually describing an individual and some attributes that will be seen at the end times. And I want to preach a sermon that I've entitled, The End Times Narcissist. Everybody say with me, narcissist. (laughs) Very good. Praise the Lord. We're going to talk about what a narcissist is, what they are not, and how it affects discipleship in the church of Jesus Christ. I want to read with you out of this portion of Scripture, chapter 3, beginning of verse number 1. The Bible says, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without self-control, brutal despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such, turn away. Father, we ask you to help us this morning, Lord Jesus, and bless this time. Help people, I pray, to deliver themselves from their inner narcissist. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. This is speaking about a person who will exist at a specific time. And I believe that that time is now. And as I'm dealing both with my church and our baby churches, we're running into more and more of these people that have a genuine conversion. They have, been genu- they have a genuine testimony, but they have no ability to go the long run. Can you say amen? And you, so you're frustrated as a pastor. You're trying to figure out why. Why, why is it that they can't be corrected? Why, well, they didn't grow up without a father. They didn't do this. They had all sorts of issues. But the, what, a bigger problem that I'm facing now are people that have such a long, large opinion of themselves that they cannot be corrected. I call them one and dones. One correction and they're done. Legitimate conversion, no doubt about it. Incredible testimony. But you just cannot correct them. And thus, because you can't correct them, there is no growing with them in the church of Jesus Christ. I'm talking about an epidemic. This is what this is speaking about. If you look up the word epidemic, it means a, uh, an affliction that affects a disproportionately large number of individuals within a population. The word narcissism means excessive or erotic interest in oneself and one's physical appearance. But the portion I want you to listen to is an extreme selfishness with a grandiose view of one's own talents and a craving for admiration. This narcissism is not simply a confident attitude or feeling or a healthy feeling of self-worth. They are overconfident, high in self-esteem, and see little value in emotionally close relationships. This is what is described in this portion of Scripture. They are uh, fierce. They are boasters. They are blasphemers. And the Bible says at the end times that these people will show up on the scene. And my contention this morning is this. They have already shown up on the scene. Can you say amen? 
Now, I know that there has always been prideful people in the history of man, uh, and they had names, a selfish oaf, or uh, uh, he's a jerk, or he's all about himself. But today, we're seeing a massive influx of these people, and, and a large portion of this is actually being supported by the internet, by easy credit, and a number of other things that are holding up these people that in a normal situation would have humbled themselves long ago. Every generation has had its self-centered and self-obsessed. But this is speaking of a great increase in the end times. In this culture, I re- just a few of the books that I researched. In 1979, there was a book that came out called The Culture of Narcissism. Uh, in 2003, there was a book that came out that says, Why is it always about you? 2008, there was a book called Freeing Yourself from the Narcissist in Your Life. And in 2009, Dr. Pinsky wrote a book called The Mirror Effect, How Celebrity Narcissism is Seducing America. So you say, well, it's not my fault. I, it's America. There's a, cul- there's a curse on America. I agree there's a curse on America, but you can say no to that curse. Again, you can say no to that curse. You don't have to be influenced by this. In one of the book descriptions, it said many people who seem to have it all are suffering from one of the most common overlooked personality disorders today, High-level narcissism, typified by an obsession with perfection, a desperate need of admiration, and a willingness to use and exploit others for personal gain. High-level narcissism can spell devastation for anyone who crosses the narcissist's path. Again, that's the pastor correcting the narcissist, and then he's done. No financial crisis has ever been caused until the 2008 uh, financial crisis uh, uh, that came about people buying beyond their means. Most of this, I read chapter after chapter that said that it was the uh, narcissism in this generation that caused that collapse in 2008. People of other generations had their traits and they were often called things and they were ostracized for this trait. But today we are being surrounded by these people and today it's even celebrated. Can you say amen? You don't believe that, I'll I'll, I'll quote the Donald for some of you. Donald said, show me somebody without a large ego and I will show you a loser. And so there's people, they come into the church of Jesus Christ and they have exactly that attitude. Is that I am somebody and you will recognize that I am somebody. And the fact of the matter is that what we're trying to do as disciples is to put the crown over your head and ask you to come come underneath that crown, but you're now already come in with that crown. Did you understand what I... No, some of you are like, I can't take that. Yeah, that's because you're a narcissist, okay? We're, we're trying to put a crown over your head and bring you over here, and you're saying, why don't you admire me from the without? Because you're not everything you could be. And we know that you can be something more, and so we're trying to encourage you to do so. But the moment that you're corrected, the moment that you are not uh, 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 lifted up immediately, you're done with all of discipleship? Well, you cannot be done. I'm sick and tired of hearing that phrase when I'm doing marriage counseling. I'm so done. You're not done. You're not going anywhere if you fear God. Today, this is a celebrated thing. We'll say that's a normal thing. They are a self-confident person. They're secure. At least Donald knows where he's going in life. This is all hailed as a wonderful thing. It is celebrated. So much so that it has become the center of much of the internet posts and all of the uh, other things that uh, trappings around that. These mini gods pose a real danger both to themselves and to the church of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you, they make horrible, horrible Christians and horrible, horrible disciples. And they have the ability to cease discipleship in a church with the spirit that they bring to the table. Society celebrates these people saying they have a real sense of who they are. They're the alpha male, if you will. They know who they are. I want to tell you, that may work in the world, but it doesn't work in the kingdom of God. Okay? And we don't try to bring the world into the church, man. Okay? Because your attitude sucks. Okay? It's not doing the church of Jesus Christ anybody, any good when you bring that into the body of Christ. Psychiatrists seeing a rise in a, new, a newer disorder called NPD, which is Narcissistic Personality Disorder. These are diagnosed cases, but the, a bunch of the stuff that I read talked about not the diagnosed cases, but the normal narcissism. And that's a new phrase, by the way, normal narcissism, which is most people in society have a sense of this. Now, again, I want to bring a balance. I, I can't do it totally in another sermon this morning, but listen, I'm not telling you to hate yourself. Why is it that when I talk about narcissism and pride that I immediately say that you hate yourself? 
I don't want you to hate yourself. The Bible says that we all love ourselves enough already. We pat ourselves on the back all the time. What are you talking about? Okay, if you've got a serious problem, that will do some counseling with you that you hate yourself. But that's not the problem with most males. I'm sorry, that's not the problem. I pastor people, and I, for every one person I have who's down on themselves, I've got nine that love themselves severely. <laughs> See, this has crept into normal society as well. John Edwards, who was running for president, said, In the course of several campaigns, I started to believe that I was special and became increasingly egocentric and narcissistic. So much so that he cheated on his cancer-stricken wife. Again, in that description that I read, talks about how cruel narcissism will make you. And this is what made this John Edwards such a cruel, cruel man. In a 2009 poll, said that 66% of college students agreed their generation was more narcissistic than their predecessors. A remarkably honest admission of an unflattering portrait. I challenge you this morning to think deeply about whether you have been or are presently being affected by the rise of this end times spirit. Jude chapter 1 verses 17 and 18. But you beloved remember the words which were spoken before by the apostle of our Lord Jesus Christ. How they told you that there would be mockers in the last times who would walk according to their own ungodly lusts. These are sensual persons who cause divisions not having the spirit. This is also I believe carried into our culture on the four wheels of parents and education, media culture. Internet and easy credit. Nobody could be a $10,000 millionaire before when I was a kid. Today they can get everything they want. We are surrounded by fantasy and the phony. Phony rich people. Phony beauty with plastic surgery. Phony athletes with steroids. Phony celebrities with reality shows. And phony friends on Facebook. This narcissism is not only simply a confident attitude or a healthy feeling of self-worth. They are overconfident, high in self-esteem, and they see little value in emotionally close relationships. And I want to look at a few myths this morning uh, uh, about normal narcissism. It has become a needed garment in the thinking man's wardrobe. Okay, One of the promoters of this spirit said, uh, the older generation didn't have to deal with the amount of competition that we face daily. We have to be confident and focused on ourselves in order to succeed. So if our generation seems a little more obsessed with the me than those before us, it is not our fault. Another student from Atlanta, Georgia, says today's college students have more pressure and stress put on them than past years. The way that we are able to meet them is by believing in ourselves. Another person said, aren't self-confidence and belief in oneself basic requirements for success in one's personal life? If that's the definition of a narcissist, proud to be one and proud to be a successful one. That sounds great until it faces a reality test. I want to to face a few myths that have to do with narcissism. First of all, narcissists love to win. Can you say amen? They love to win, but in most settings, they are not very good at actually winning. In one study of college students, those that asked before the test how they would score on the test said that they would get an A actually scored the lowest of all the students. So those who had excessive idea about how well they were going to do did the worst, and those who had the lowest opinion of how they were going to do did the best. This is a little bit like the hare and the turtle that made the race, right? Okay? And this is true. You talk to any pastor, he'll tell you that the ones that are succeeding in his church are those plotters who continue to move forward. They don't have all the gifts that the hard, hardcore narcissist does, but they're moving forward and eventually they actually have a destiny. Can you say amen? amen. Unlike the other man who's going to crash and burn very, very hard. In fact, those that with the highest scores on the self-love exam had higher dropout rates, higher flunk-out grades, and lower grades than those with a worse opinion of themselves. In other words, overconfidence backfires. Also true in the kingdom. Those who thought themselves better than they actually are make poor disciples far more likely to drop out of the church as well the moment that they're corrected. You know, as I was doing this study, it explained to me a lot about where some of our departed friends got in trouble. Just FYI there. Apparently the reality that they are not all that they thought they were is so upsetting that they quit rather than study. They lack motivation to improve because the problem is not with themselves, it's with those who are looking at them. Ask any pastor if that's true. I got people who sit through our church services and all they can think about, well, well, the pastor's preaching, we have these great evangelists that come through and preach, and all the guy can think about is I could have said it better. 
Hey, 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 nobody asked you, dude. Okay? And if you, want, if you want to be an evangelist in our fellowship, then why don't you discipline yourself, allow your pastor to speak into your life, and grow? Rather than sit there, well, you know, I could have said it better. You know, he should have added this scripture. Who cares? Number one. Number two, the second myth is self-confidence is the key to leadership. In the book, Good to Great, there's a man who speaks on about level five leaders, and he talks about some CEOs, and he uses a CEO from Kimberly Clark, a guy named Darwin Smith. And he says he wore cheap suits and shunned publicity in his 20 years as CEO. He bested the stock price four times over and was expected instead of braggadocia, Smith quietly kept at his work. And he said, I never stopped trying to become qualified for the job. The author wasn't looking for profile leaders, but it jumped out at him. The profile of the humble but determined leader came up over and over again. You may say that about the startups in, in Silicon Valley and the Mark Zuckerbergs and those type of people that are, that are moving forward. Hey, he came up with a great idea. Whether he can manage a company for the next 40 years is a whole other level. Okay? We're going to see whether you can run the race long term. In other words, you need to pack a lunch, dude. Okay? Because there's going to be correction because there's no way. How is it that you walk to the kingdom of God and you have a hundred years of living for God experience? I'm sorry, where did you pick that up? Because I, all my leadership comes from uh, my pastor, 37 years saved, his pastor, 50 years saved, 100 years of experience, and that's what I reference off of. Can you say amen? Now, how is it that you came across 100 years of experience on your own? Oh, you didn't, did you? No, you didn't. Again, these, uh, when I started coming to these men's rallies, it was one of the few times that we could actually speak to the men. Let me speak to you for a man a minute, bro. Some of you are more concerned about your bank accounts and how you're going to manage your bank accounts than you are going to manage your pride. Look, your pride's the thing that's getting you in trouble, dude. And the, and the fact of the matter is that some of you, you haven't taken correction for years. And you've got your church locked up because the pastor, after he's run into a few of these narcissists, he goes, I'll just stop correcting altogether. So now you got the church in checkmate. Your spirit has now affected the church of Jesus Christ. Yes. Shame on you for locking down the kingdom of God and destroying discipleship in its day. I better get back to my notes. We are in this... We are in this for the long run. And narcissists are not ideal for the long run. Number three... Myth about narcissism. Smarts can motivate other people. Romans chapter 1 verse 29. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And they found that those always had to be the smartest person in the room. Rarely had the respect, listen to this closely, or the motivating power with others. In other words, narcissistic bosses were not popular bosses. While the bosses rated themselves as top-notch managers, their employees said, not so much. Their employees rated the narcissistic bosses as average problem solvers and average in people skills as well. Two important factors in leadership. Matthew chapter 10 verse 42, but Jesus called them to him and he saith unto him, you know that which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles, exercise lordship over them and this great ones exercise authority upon them. But so it shall not be among you, but whosoever will be the great amongst you shall be your minister and whoever of you will be the chiefest shall be your servant. Even pastors in this epidemic support this. Joel Olstein, let me quote from one of his famous uh, piece of trash books. Uh, God, sorry, I know he's, he's got the biggest church in America, so you're impressed. God wants you to have a healthy, positive self-image. He wants us to feel good about ourselves. Self-esteem, as one author puts it, is our national wonder drug. Our national wonder drug. I want to talk to you secondly about its epidemic's effect on discipleship. Verse 2 warns us and leads us to verse number 3 that this condition would cause people to be without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce despisers of those that are good, etc., etc. But then it says, more than lovers of God. These are not people outside. That's what I'm saying. When I first read this, I thought, these are people outside the church of Jesus Christ. No, these are people who actually go to church. More than lovers of God? I'm sorry. What is that talking about? Okay? It's talking that they have a form of godliness, but they deny the power there. That's not the club jumping sinner, bro. That's you and I. 
that can destroy the work of God from within. From within. But then it says, more than lovers of God and having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. Jameson Fawcett Brown speaks about this and says, these are men in the professing church will revert to the attributes of Romans 1.29, being filled with unrighteousness. Not only they do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. Sins attributed to heathen men. It shall be a relapse into virtual heathendom. Did you hear that? A relapse. So they get saved, but then there's a relapse into virtual heathendom. Okay, that's Jameson Fawcett Brown. Sins attributed to heathen men. This will be a relapse with all of its beast-like propensities. I've always wondered why somebody could leave a church and try to destroy it on their way out. Now I know. You're fierce. You're wicked. And somebody crossed the narcissist. And now you're one and done. And you got nothing left to give to Christ. See, we're having genuine conversions all the time in our churches. Filling churches all over town. But we're also encountering a bunch of what we want to call one and dones. This end times narcissist finds it hard to accept any idea that didn't come from him. If you forget everything else I said, I want you to remember that one right there. I, I didn't come up with the idea, so I, I'm not interested. See, I, just, I, just, I lost interest once I realized it wasn't going to be all about me. Let that one sink in. Let me just let that one sink in, just for a few minutes. Can we just wait for a few minutes? Okay. Because that's really what it comes down to. Is that when people, when, when it's not going to be all about them, when they get corrected, when they, they've lost faith in the church, they're done. And I've seen this time and time and time again. And you know what? Somebody needs to say something about it. Somebody needs to say something about it. It's, it's ridiculous that you've come into the kingdom of God for a time such as this to help promote the kingdom of God. But we correct you one time and you're done. And you may not leave the church, but you will isolate yourself. You get a job that you can't come to church, whatever, you know. The untimes narcissist finds it hard to accept any idea that didn't come from them. Yeah, get used to it, bro. Get used to it. This is the way it's going to be. You're going to have leadership over your life for the rest of your life. Okay? And they're going to correct you, and they're going to lead the way, and the ideas are not going to come from you. So what happens is disciples withdraw from the discipleship process, and they keep track of every slight, every correction, and every bit of direction that comes from the pastor. They listen to every word he says and every sermon, how he said it, and they're... they're, they're keeping a very good ledger of every wrong that's ever been done to them. They're like somebody that's in traffic looking for a way out. You ever, you ever been driving down the road and you know, you're going pretty fast and you're looking, in case that car stops in front of me, I better figure out a way to get out. Well, I've seen a lot of Christians like that, looking for a way out. Okay? You shouldn't be looking for a way out. There's no place to go. Where else would we go? You have the words of life. This is the move of God in my generation. I just was so fortunate to get saved in it. How about you? So he has a way out, like a driver looking for a way out. These are not the insecure that many people say that they are. No, no, they actually believe they are the supreme ones. <laughs> I read someplace, if, if, if everyone is special, no one is special. <laughs> this is exactly what's happening to people who were fine until they were corrected. They start a firestorm over the smallest correction. So pastors who are not looking to blow up their churches refrain from discipling after having a few of these narcissists blow up on them in their churches. But know this, that in the last times, perilous times will come. What kind of perilous times? This is what I'm talking about. Men will cause perilous times. And it uses another phrase as well, calls grievous times. What makes them perilous? These people destroying the people around them's faith. These are grievous times. Men who were respected in their churches all of a sudden revert to men that have little or no fear of God or what they are doing to their destiny, their family, or their church. It uses phrases without natural affection. This is why our narcissist in chief has five brothers, half brothers, and one half sister that live in utter poverty in Kenya that the most powerful man in the world doesn't lift a single finger to help because, you know, why, where's the article on that, dude? N never, never, never. Five brothers and one sister. There's something seriously wrong with somebody who is the most powerful man in the world and could care less. I knew people in Africa that died for the lack of $3 for malaria medicine. His family is in that type of dire straits. This is uh, Barack Hussein Obama. Okay. What, who, what normal person does that? No normal person does that. Just the narcissist-in-chief that we have as a leader. That's a fact. 
That's not normal behavior. It's not normal. Why would you not want to take care of your own blood? What's wrong with you? Well, the, the connection might get to Kenya and I might not get elected because it's all about him. I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to go political on you, but uh, understand that there are, we are surrounded by narcissists. I'm going to mention another one in just a moment. What normal person does that? Only one without natural affection. We meet people who had family who died for the lack of $3 in malaria medicine, and this man could care less about his own family. Matthew Henry says about this portion of Scripture, not so much on account of persecution from without as an account of corruptions within. And he carries on and says, two traitors within the garrison do more hurt to it than 2,000 besiegers without. Two besiegers inside can do more harm than 2,000 without. Sin makes the times perilous. And this Bible says it here, it says, but know this, that in the last times, perilous times will come. He says, I want you to know this. I want to warn you that things are going to be very, very tough. And this is tough for uh, pastors as well to learn how to deal with these people because they are coming in in mass. Matthew Henry again says, Paul tells Timothy, self-love will make the times perilous. Instead of Christian charity, which takes care of the good of others, they will mind themselves only. I want to talk to you thirdly and lastly about being diagnosed and delivered. Diagnosed and delivered. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 31 says, For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. Let me just tell you, nobody's going to come up to you tomorrow and go, you know what, I think you have NPD. Because it's a very personal thing. And as you're sitting there today, you're dealing with your pride or whatever. And, and you know what, nobody's going to diagnose you with the problem with narcissism. So you're going to have to self-diagnose. Okay, and the Bible uses this phrase, judge yourself. Okay, and that's what that's talking about. Diagnose that you have a serious problem, whether that happened when you were a child and you were insulted by your mother or your father. Hey, bro, get over it. That was 25 years ago. Okay, when are you going to show up at adulthood? It's a great place. The water's tremendous. Get over it. Judge yourself. Judge yourself so nobody else will need to judge you. Because you're going to spin out. In other words, fix, or, 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 uh, you better fix yourself before you wreck yourself. I always get it wrong, but you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you, better, you, you better check yourself. Because, uh, because this thing is a destroying thing. It annihilates families. It annihilates destinies. And it annihilates churches. Do you really want to be known as the Judas in your church? I guarantee you, there's not a person here named Judas. It's become a very, very unpopular name today. Yes, yes, yes. You know why? Because he betrayed the Lord. Okay? And I've seen people betray their church, their family, everything that's good. All the good that was in them drained right out because of this issue right here. So you don't tell me it's not an issue. It's a serious issue, and you're going to need to diagnose yourself. He said, but when we are judged, we are chastened to the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. Did you hear that? Condemned with the world. Look, no one is going to diagnose you on this, so you're going to have to judge yourself. As I mentioned, this is so common that they now call it normal narcissism. So that we are not judged with the world, judge or diagnose that some of these symptoms are present and must be dealt with so that discipleship can actually take place and that I don't waste decades of learning and fruitfulness. In other words, check yourself before you wreck yourself. I did write it down. Good. (laughs) But there is a way. (laughs) Rather than checking others, because this is what some narcissists are very good at. They're very good at checking others. Let me give you an illustration of what I'm trying to say. Everybody here know who Tiger Woods is. Okay. Tiger Woods is by far the best golfer in the world. Uh, I know some of you want to fight about Jack Nicholson or Jack Nicholas, but uh, but but he's considered by natural talent the best golfer in the world. His coach wrote a book about him called The Big Miss, and I want to read you a description of his first confrontation with Tiger Woods uh, in his. So he hires him on the phone, on the cell phone, and he tells him to come out to watch him play. So Tiger is checking him rather than the coach coaching him. This is what a lot of narcissists do. They want to get the church in check so they don't get checked. First time Haney met Tiger, he says, I realized that he was marking his territory, showing the new dog that he was the alpha, and that was fine. I wasn't going to argue with him. He didn't even know enough about how I could help him achieve his best golf yet, so I wasn't going to deal with him. 
I realized then that he was going to be a difficult student. I knew his trust would have to be hard-earned. He had gone as far as his natural talent could take him. This book is called The Big Miss because he's basically saying, his coach is saying, he's gone as far as he's going to go. The guy wrote this book a few years ago, and Tiger Woods still has never reattained what he once had. You know why? Because his natural talent has gone as far as it can go, and now he needs a coach. Don't you think you need a pastor? I'm, I'm sorry. I, I don't understand people who don't think that they need to be, ever be corrected. I don't, what, what planet do you live on, dude? Okay. How did you learn 100 years of ministry all by your lonesome? Oh, you didn't. I see. Okay. Here's the deal, bro. You better reconnect with your pastor. Diagnose yourself and reconnect with the one person. You know, and the other thing that bothers me is that you won't even allow one person to speak into your life. We're not asking you to have the whole church put you on trial. We're asking you to have one person in your life that can speak into your life, and you won't even allow that one. Because you've spent your whole life trying to fire the critic. That's what you've done. Fire the coach. Fire anybody who disagrees with my lifestyle. And once you beat your wife down enough that she agrees with your lifestyle, then you're good. And then every male that comes into your life. There's another thing. I was reading one of the books about our illustrious president. And it was talking about how at his morning table, the whole table is women. Valerie Jarrett, uh, 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 Susan Rice, and a whole bunch of people. And one general that sits in the corner. And never does he say a word to that man because the man's intimidated by any other man. Okay. See... This is why we need to get over ourselves because you can literally destroy a country, right? You can destroy a church because you refuse to take correction. Tiger puts it in check so that every correction is blunted when it does come his way. I've known, seen, and pastored people just like this. Every pastor has seen a few of these one and doneers. They never grow into what God intends unless there is a serious, obvious change and they are humbled somehow and they come out a new person on the other side. Verse number five warns us and says, from such turn away both in ourselves and in others. No matter how good you are, you need a coach. Can everybody say amen? I don't care how good you are. You still need somebody to speak into your life. The only things worth learning, somebody said, are the things that you learn after you know everything. Harry Truman said that. (laughs) Miriam and Aaron said there was no one special that we need to receive from and it halted God's work in their lives as well. See, you need to be tested. Deuteronomy 8.2 says, And thou shalt remember all the ways which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee, to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandment or no. First of all, the lesson from this is that you are being tested. And the second is that a lesson is being taught here not to waste 40 years in the wilderness because of your pride. One and doneers don't pack a lunch for the journey of discipleship. And this is why they'd never make it. You say, Pastor, are people really that stubborn? Yes, they are. Everybody say with me, yes, they are. Oh, yes, they are. (laughs) Let me read you a scripture. Jeremiah is talking about the people of God. He says, oh, Lord, are not thine eyes upon the truth? This is Jeremiah 5.3. Oh, Lord, are not thine eyes upon the truth? Thou hast stricken them, but they have not grieved. Thou hast consumed them, but they have refused to receive correction. They have made their faces harder than a rock, And they have refused to return. Therefore, I said, surely these are poor. They are foolish. For they know not the way of the Lord, nor the judgment of their God. Verse 5. I will get me unto the great men, and I will speak unto them. For they have known the way of the Lord and the judgment of their God. But these have altogether broken the yoke and burst the bonds. Jeremiah 5, 5. I will get me unto the great men, and I will speak to them. Why? Why are you leaving the regular people and going under the great man? Because the great men actually listen. Can everybody say amen? Great men are constantly learning. They are constantly trying to qualify for the job. They don't think that they're done. They don't think that they've learned everything there is to know. They are absolutely pursuing this trust. And they're pursuing somebody that will speak into their lives the truth. You want to be a great man? Well, then receive correction and refrain from taking a six-month siesta from ministry each time you are corrected. And saying things like, my pastor doesn't believe in me. Oh, we believe in you all right. We just believe in the potential you, not the one that currently is attending the church. Don't, 
Don't let your inner narcissist kill all that is great in you. The Bible says that the righteous are as bold as a lion. Okay, that's fine. Be bold. But do not, and let me just tell you, I, I, I don't know if I was going to have time, but let me just tell you, if you want to really check yourself, you better really, really think about whether your pride is getting you in trouble and keeping you from discipleship, blowing up churches, causing trouble with your wife, and if it's causing those things, you better check yourself. You better humble yourself under the mighty hand of the Lord. What people fail to learn from sermons, somebody said, they learn later from experience. I'm amazed at how often I hear this. My pastor doesn't believe in me. Oh, they do. They just believe in the improved you, that's all. They have made their faces as hard as rock. They have refused to receive correction. Both say they have done this. And they have the ability to undo it as well. Can everybody say amen? Our text calls it being high-minded later on down. It talks about being heady and boasters of themselves. But if you look up that word high-minded, it means to inflate with conceit. A high-minded person is lifted up with with pride and is proud. But if you look even further into that, it talks about being consumed by smoke. Did you know that you can actually cook things with smoke? Well, that's what happens to people sitting in church. They're brewing. They're brewing. They're brewing. And they're being cooked or they're getting smoked by the devil. Okay? And they're wasting precious years comparing sermons and trying to figure out angles and who said hi and who, all of this. Hey, focus on what's going on in the church, dude. Okay, you're wasting time, man. You're blowing time. You're blowing your whole discipleship process. And years will be go past before you've learned anything. Because it's what you learn after you know everything that really counts in life. This was a choice to be high-minded and is still a choice today. To be consumed slowly. That's God's word, not somebody's opinion. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6 says uh, that humble yourselves under the mighty hand of the Lord. And he will lift you up in due time. As important as that is, is embracing all of instruction and all of that. The Bible also speaks about having a father in the faith, and it trumps it. It says in 1 Corinthians 4.15, For though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet have ye not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. If I, I want to close with these thoughts, you need to embrace the coach, not fire the coach. We disqualify ourselves. When we make our faces harder than a rock. When we do exactly what Jeremiah spoke about the people of God doing. We destroy not the other people. We're destroying ourselves. Don't be the foolish one and do that. Pastor Jeremiah says he's going to get himself under the great men. And he will speak to them. Apollos was a great man in the Bible in the New Testament. In Acts chapter 18 verse 24. And a certain Jew named Apollos. Born of Alexandria. An eloquent man. Mighty in the scriptures came to Ephesus. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord. And being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. This is an incredible man. He knows these things. He's he's educated by the word of God. uh, uh, But he is limited in his knowledge. Look at verse 26. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them and expounded to him the way of God more perfectly. Okay, And when he was disposed to pass into Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him, who when he had come, helped them much, which who had believed through grace. Here's a, here, this is an excellent man, but he did not know everything. Can everybody say amen? He did not know everything, and nor do we know everything. There is so much for more for us to learn. 1828 says, for he mightily convinced the Jews... That publicly showing by the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. Great men listen to God and great men listen to his representative. Rather than putting the representative on trial daily. Great men listen to God and his representative on earth regardless of whether they like all that they hear. And that's why they are called great. How could I, being evil, know everything good? Matthew chapter 12, verse 30 says, Oh, generation of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? Say, well, I'm not evil. I'm a child of God. How dare you? Paul also considered himself quite a sinner as well. He said, I'm the chief of all sinners. And yet he continued to live, right? He didn't hate himself. He said, I'm the chief of all sinners. I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle. But I'm going to continue to do what I'm doing. And I'm going to humble myself under the mighty hand of the Lord. 
So diagnose yourself. And then finding a place of truly humble repentance. Get on your knees and say, God, I've disconnected myself from all leadership. I have fired the critic. And I'm done with this ridiculous nonsense in my own life. Never stop qualifying yourself for the job that you're called to. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 5, and I'll close with this. A wise man will hear and will increase learning. And a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. To understand a proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark sayings. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. My son, hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother. Let's give God praise as pastor comes today. Hello, Sermon Podcast listeners. Pastor Adam here. I've got Dave on the line. Hello. Say hello, Mr. Dave. Hello, everybody. <laughs> we wanted to interrupt your sermon uh, listening at the moment just to share with you a few big updates uh, as we are making this podcast hopefully more valuable to you as a listener. And as you know, over the last couple of weeks, we have been uh, adding subscription to our podcast offering. And so our free, our free podcast still remains uh, the Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Uh, and by the way, we've added in a Sunday episode as well. So four sermons a week. That is our plan to keep it going, uh, going forward. And in addition to that, we have uh, three other sermons, a Tuesday, a Thursday, and a Saturday that are now protected behind a, a, a paywall, and those are part of our new premium feed. The other big feature that you're getting as the premium uh, podcast is they are ad-free and interruption-free. They also are released about six hours earlier than all the rest, so we know that doesn't make a big difference for most of you in, in North America, but maybe for uh, our international audience, that might be something helpful. So so we wanted to share with you why we are doing this once again, and I'm going to let Dave tell you why we are making this sermon podcast with a premium subscription uh, versus what we were doing before. Right. Well, uh, the, the reason is we want to uh, be a blessing to world evangelism. We send a... Um... And a world evangelism pledge into our mother church in Chandler, Arizona, uh, every month. And, uh, we want to, uh, we want to be even more of a blessing than we already are. And you can help us with that. And the way we're going to do that is we are not going to keep one dime of anything that comes in from, from, uh, uh from either ads or from, uh, if you're a premium subscriber, from from your uh, subscription, from the money you pay in your subscription, we're not going to keep any of this. It's all going to go toward world evangelism. So that's why we're doing this. We just we want to uh, we we want to give as much as we possibly can and do everything we can to raise as much as possible for the cause of world evangelism. Yeah, we want to make Pastor Campbell happy is yes, what that's we're what really it. trying to do. <laughs> and so we we view the podcast as kind of a, a ship with a sail, you know, and so so far we haven't put up the sail to see how far she can go. So that's what we're doing these last few weeks is we have some new uh, tools that we have discovered to, in order to um, to raise these funds and specifically for the for the purpose of world evangelism so we think that that is something that would be compelling to you as a listener and that's why we are doing this and so we realize that not everybody is going to become a premium subscriber that's okay uh, but if we could yes. get um, maybe 10 percent of our listeners that would be a significant amount of money and so um we wanted to share the update first of all that we already do have some premium subscribers we have a couple on apple podcasts and we also have a couple through our other platform, which is called Supercast. And uh, uh, so as a result, we are now raising approximately $16 per month. That's in addition to our advertising on the free podcast platform. So that is uh, that's not nothing. You know, we're uh, yes. in just a couple of weeks um, to already be getting $16 per month. We are very, very happy with that. And um, we think absolutely. That that you will also be blessed by that. So what we wanted to do in this short time that we have together 
uh, I wanted uh, I wanted to twist Dave's arm into doing <laughs> a, a live subscription to the premium podcast while we're listening, just so that you can get an idea how it goes and how easy it is. So I'll tell you that for the for the people who are using Apple phones, it's going to be almost too easy to describe. <laughs> it's going to be actually harder for me to get out the words than it is for you to hit the subscribe button. I, I did that on my phone. And before I knew it, I was already signed up for the free three day trial and um, being charged for for, you know, for the premium subscription. So we think those of you who are using the Apple podcast app, it's going to be pretty obvious uh, because it's going to be popping up on your screen, a big subscribe button. So if you have any issues with that, you can let us know. But I think that's going to be super easy. But what I would love for you to do, Dave, Mm -hmm. is to go to your uh, podcast app that you're using. And on an Android phone, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. And I would love for you to talk our audience through what you're seeing as you are uh, subscribing to the premium feed through our other platform, which is called Supercast. So let's hear it, man. Okay. So I've pulled up my podcast app, which I'm using Google Podcast. Um, I've pulled up the um, VBPH Sermon Podcast feed. And this is going to be similar no matter which app you're listening from, whether Spotify right. or Overcast or there's there's a hundred of them out there. But sure. as long as you can still see our show notes and click on that link, everything from here will be very similar to what Dave is describing. Right. So I'm going to click on uh, the most recent episode that's in the uh, in in this uh, free feed, uh, which is uh, posted 17 hours ago, filled with the spirit and not nice by Pastor Adam Dragoon. All right. And what I see is subscribe to the new daily premium ad-free sermon podcast for only $3 per month. And wouldn't you know, there is a link right here in the show notes, vbph-sermons.supercast.tech. So All right. Gonna, what happens when you tap on that link? I tap on that link and it takes me to that very website. And so here we are, sermons.supercast.tech. Become a premium subscriber today. All proceeds benefit world evangelism. And awesome. now I and now I have a choice. Okay. I what is do, the choice that you see presented I, before your very eyes? <laughs> Actually, there's two choices. I can do a monthly or a yearly subscription. If I choose monthly, there's there's two uh options. Three dollars per month, which says free seven day trial, cancel anytime, start your free trial. And with it, if I tap that button or the monthly plus, which is $10 a month and also a free seven day trial. Um, and it says all the benefits of the premium subscription, but triple the impact on world evangelism. Hey, there you go. So, um, if I switch over to yearly, there is a $29 a year option or a $99 a year option. Uh, so, um, I'm going to probably what going to, I'm going to do what most listeners are probably going to do. I'm going to okay, start, what's that gonna be? I'm going to start at the very lowest, okay, okay. Uh, which is the $3 per month. I'm going to, I'm going to tap, start your free trial. And it says sign up for monthly $3 per month, free seven day trial, cancel anytime. And I agree to the supercast terms of use and privacy policy. And I click, uh, Google Pay. And oh, wow. It's got Google Pay in there. It's got Google Pay. And by the way, if you're doing this on an Apple phone, it's going to have Apple Pay on there as well. Right. And enter my PayPal information through Google mm-hmm. Pay. And, and what was your password, Dave? Yeah, yeah. Well, ask Google. They've got them all. No. And, uh, and what was your social security number? Right, right. Over there? <laughs> okay. Let's see. Hmm. Your Supercast account has been created. Hot we've dog. Sent, now we've, what sent, we we've sent you an email. And so I go to that email. And wouldn't you know, you have subscribed. And, I, and so I open up that email. It says, uh, connect in three simple steps. One, open this email on the device. Uh, for most people, that's their phone. Uh, click the preferred podcast player icon. And click subscribe, and you're all done. So I'm going to go to my Google Podcast, uh, which it provides me one of the links. 
and subs- and then Google Podcasts opens and it says subscribe to a podcast by RSS feed and it gives me the option to cancel or subscribe and so I'm going to click subscribe and boom I'm in the VBPH sermon podcast uh, premium feed sweet so I think that took less than five minutes and it probably mm-hmm. would have been a lot quicker if you weren't talking about it while you were doing it right? exactly yeah that's right that's so right. Just, it, they make it pretty painless. And so if you jump through that little hoop, um, then you'll be getting uh, all seven sermons per week. And uh, I just want to give you guys uh, a big shout out for for sticking with us through this. And if, if you become a subscriber, man, that uh, it's, you know, we understand like three bucks a month when it really comes down to it is, is not a whole lot of money. But when we have a, a big group of people that do that, it can really make a huge impact. Our goal starting out here is a hundred bucks a month. And we're already about 15%. Well, with Dave's yeah. subscription, we're now close to 20% of that goal. Yes. And so uh, we think that, you know, a hundred bucks a month is, is not nothing. That's uh, that's going to be a blessing to uh, a missionary somewhere. And uh, mm-hmm. we want to, we, we think that, that you'd be excited about doing that. And by the way, uh, this week in the premium feed, uh, we posted a sermon by Pastor Mark Olson from, I believe the year was 2008. And uh, it was no, no, no. It was before that. I think it was 2003, but Mm. it was a fireball. It was a Thursday night message from a Prescott conference on World Evangelism Thursday. And man, I found myself weeping some tears and being touched by God uh, through that sermon on Thursday. So I'm just telling you that, you know, uh, when you get those premium feeds, you're getting you're getting double the chance that God is going to help you and speak to you through these messages. So. Dave, I'm glad that you you are now a subscriber. Yes. Yep. <laughs> so, well, that's all we want to leave you with, guys. We want to thank you for sticking with us while we kind of uh, explain this. And we, we hope that um, that you find it a blessing, too. Uh, even if you don't become a premium subscriber, we still really appreciate you continuing to listen. Uh, we're not going to continue bugging you every every week about this, but we just want to make sure that you are aware how easy it is to become a subscriber if that's something you want to do. And we do appreciate uh, all of you who do that. It's it's pretty awesome to be a part of that. Absolutely. So thanks a lot, guys. Thanks for listening to sermons. And thanks for those of you who are becoming subscribers. And thank you for those who are not. Uh, we appreciate you continuing to keep us in your podcast feed on a daily basis. We'll talk to you soon. God bless. God bless. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.